Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you to raise the bar on your own performance and to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's episode. Welcome again to the Nonprofit Exchange. Every week, Tuesday at two, we talk to a thought leader about their area of expertise, their area of experience, and they get to share some things with us that help us do our job better. The Nonprofit Exchange is a, is a resource of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. I'm the founder and president, Hugh Blue, and today I'm honored to introduce you to Chris Corsi. And I'm going to let Chris tell you about himself and his organization. So, Chris, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you, Hugh. I'm really excited to be here. Just thoroughly enjoying our time and yeah, my wife and I run an organization called Thrive Today. Been running this organization for over 20 years. We train relational skills. And so what that means is we focus on equipping leaders and communities with these skills that ideally we learn early in life because our family and our community have the skills. And so this is very much a hands-on training ministry. We do training events, seminars, retreats. We create materials. Basically just try to spread the word on what happens when some of these relational skills are missing? And one of the big skills is called joy. And so we talk about how brain science um, tells us, you know what, we're supposed to be joyful people. The brain runs on the fuel of joy. And when our joy starts to uh, fade, we have problems. And so running organizations really works better when you have the fuel of joy kind of woven throughout those interactions and those relationships. So that is my full-time job. I started out as a counselor, working with people with pain. And when there's pain, there's not a lot of joy necessarily. So really helping people to get on their feet, be able to reach their potential and be the kind of people that they really want to be. So I love what I do. I love people, love serving people. And I just love training relational skills. This is, this is really, I think, one of the funnest jobs in the world. Yeah, you just heard a great leadership lesson because <laughs> we can describe, you can Google leadership and you get millions of responses, but fundamentally it's about influence and you influence because you have relationships. So there's so many things about that. Now, I mean, a lot of people say, oh, I just want to be happy. Well, you didn't use that word, you used joy. So why do you choose joy as your, as your vision? Yes, that's a great question, Hugh, because there's a big difference. You know, happy... Happiness is circumstantial. I'm happy because a new movie's coming out with my favorite actor. I'm, I'm happy because I got this loan and it's a very good thing. So happiness is just, these are certain conditions that make me happy and it comes and goes. Joy, on the other hand, as far as your brain's concerned, joy is relational. So joy is what happens when you walk into a room, you see your friend over there in the corner with a cup of coffee and your friend spots you and your friend's face lights up because it's you. You haven't seen this friend in a while. So the face lights up, you hear it in the voice tone, you see it in the manners. And so this joy is we're, the sense that we're glad to be together. So I'm glad that we're in this together. Joy is when basically you're the sparkle in other people's eyes. And so there's just genuine glad to be togetherness. And we now know that this is the fuel for the brain to kind of run in its best state. So we're glad to be together. Happiness again, comes and goes. 
Um, happiness can be fleeting, especially in hard times, whereas even in the hard times, joy can still be present because, hey, this is a hard time. This is a, a trial we're going through here, but I'm glad we're in this together. I'm glad I can be here with you. I'm glad you're not alone. And I'm glad you're here with me. So this joy just kind of flows from all walks of life. It means that we're glad to be together and we show it. So you see it, you hear it, you feel it. No matter the conditions or the circumstances, we can still have joy. And that's what makes joy so powerful. Because, you know, when you have joy present, good things will grow in that garden. When joy levels are high, fear levels are low. When fear levels are high, joy levels are low. So we really want to turn up the volume and increase our glad to be together relational joy so that we can be really the best version of ourselves. I love it. I love it. So I understand there's a brain circuit, which helps us stay relational. We talked about relationships. What do we need to know about this? Yeah, this is, this is really exciting, Hugh, that we now know from interpersonal neurobiology, guy by the name of Dr. Alan Shore out of UCLA. He, in the 90s, just really pulled together a lot of research from a lot of different disciplines. And one of the things he really came out with in looking at the brain is basically saying the brain runs on joy. And there's actually this kind of relational engine on the right side of our brain kind of like a car engine, right? So there's different parts that are supposed to work together. So when you're expecting joy, you know you're going to be with that friend over coffee or a family member. When you expect joy, this engine works together and you're relational. So there's this anticipation of something good. And this, this engine's kind of like a circuit breaker. So if you plug too many things into an outlet, guess what's going to happen? There's something's going to give and your, your circuit is going to break. You're going to have to go downstairs and flip the switch to get electricity going. Well, that's kind of what the circuit is in the brain. So it can go on or off, actually like a dimmer switch. So when it's on, I'm relational. I'm glad to be with you. I'm flexible. I'm patient. I'm understanding. I can put myself in your shoes. When that switch goes off you, what happens is I lose my joy. I start focusing and getting stuck on pain or problems or the things that bother me or the things that anger me or offend me. And so I'm no longer in my relational sweet spot when this circuit goes off. We call it, my colleagues call it a relational circuit. I call it a joy switch because I wrote a book on the joy switch. So basically, if the circuit is on, you're a good version of yourself. You can live according to your values. You can be the kind of person that you're proud of. When the switch goes off, we run on fear. I'm focused on what's wrong instead of what's right. So I could have 30 things in my day that were wonderful, really good, joyful moments. But when the circuit's off, I will focus on the one thing that's wrong, the one thing that's bothering me, and I get stuck there and I can't shift my attention very well. So a lot of what we do um, at, at our organization is really helping people to recognize how to get out of this, my, my friend Jim Wilder calls it enemy mode. So when my switch is off, people that I normally enjoy feel like enemies, whether it's a spouse, a family member, a coworker, um, a boss, doesn't matter. In enemy mode, the people I normally enjoy, they just feel like enemies. And I, I get stuck on the things that bother me. Creativity flies out the window. I, I become impatient and irritable and rigid. Just not good things you want in an organization. So with a little practice, we can actually learn to live relationally 
with this joy switch working the way that it's supposed to. Yeah, what I know about leadership is the, as a, as a conductor too, what, what the orchestra, the choir sees is what I get. Yeah. And the team is a reflection of us, including our anxieties. Yes. So this is a good way That's to mitigate. That. And we're certainly in, in times of heightened anxiety. Yes, we are. So um, you just kind of slipped in there the book. So yeah. I see behind you, if people are listening on the podcast, you can go to the nonprofitexchange.org and you see the picture of the book. But um, can you reach it? Can you hold it up? What is the yep. book? Yeah, this is the Joy Switch book. We wrote this last year. It's all about the switch, the circuit, and joy. So tell us about that. Yeah, this is a fun little book. It actually has 19 practice exercises because our, our organization is really big on giving people practice. So I can talk about joy, tell my I'm blue in the face, but ultimately I want people to practice joy. And that's what this book was supposed to be, kind of an introductory resource of what is this relational joy? How do I hold on to it? And more importantly, how do I stay my relational self? And how do I get out of enemy mode when my brain is kind of locked in enemy mode because I'm anxious, overwhelmed, I'm stuck, I'm, I'm just locked in. It's not fun to be stuck in enemy mode. In fact, the longer we're in enemy mode, um, the harder it will be to hold on to joy. So this book is really a very just a good introductory resource. There's lots of stories, lots of examples, lots of exercises to help people really taste joy. Let's do some exercises to practice joy. And let's notice what is it like when I'm in relational mode, mode where joy is possible or when I'm in enemy mode where I'm just kind of stuck and I don't like it. That's what I wanted to accomplish with this book. It's something that people can go through, read the book, but more importantly, practice the exercises. That's where it's at practice yeah you know as a musician i understand that <laughs> yes and we don't do that in other another professional another uh, in in other professions or in other organizations so yes. um if people want to find you i just want to get this in case so i don't forget it um the the website is thrive today uh thrivetoday.org T-H-R-I-V-E. So what do people find when they go to Thrive today? Yeah, what they're going to find is just like really some understanding. What are relational skills? Why are there 19 of these skills? How do I grow some of these skills? And we have blogs, we have books, we have videos, we have free webinars. There's all kinds of good stuff there. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's opportunities for people to practice these skills, to build some joy. And that's really where... Uh, the proof is in the pudding. Like when people taste joy, that's what brings all of this home. And I can talk about joy and give you the brain science and the theory behind joy, but ultimately it's helping people to start some joy in their life. One of the easiest ways to start joy, honestly, is just first thinking about the times of joy in your life. So for example, I took my family roller skating last week. I have a 10 and 11 year old sons. I haven't roller skated in 35 years. But I took my family roller skating and you know what, I, I took me a little while to kind of figure out how to stay on my feet because it's been so long. But you know what, it came back to me. I started roller skating, my sons were learning and kind of, you know, trying to stay on their feet. But you know what happened in this evening together, there was a lot of joy, there was a lot of laughter, there was a lot of fun. And so even when you think about and reflect on the, the moments of joy in your life, whatever they are, 
your brain responds as though you're reliving the moment all over again. So thinking about the joyful moments, the good times, sharing it, noticing how you feel, your brain's responding as though you've gone back in time and you're reliving the moment all over again, just by thinking about it, feeling it, and sharing it. So this is, this is really a powerful force, which helps people to get relational. So I encourage groups and organizations, you know what, drop a little bit of joy into the day for people. You're, you're going to get more, you're going to get more creativity, you're going to get more patience, you're going to get more good stuff out of your team and out of your community and organization. That's one of those, um, one of those things that that's a reverse paradigm. The more you give away, the more you have. Yeah, I like that. So in your, um, in your website, I've just got a few, few questions. So you yeah. talk about a free assessment. Talk about that. Yes. yes. So this is, this is a short little free assessment I made called taking your relational temperature. You know what? It's just a way to really help organizations and people notice how often am I in my relational sweet spot where joy's present and joy is possible. And how often do I spend in kind of locked in enemy mode? So there's just certain ingredients that help you kind of gauge how is my joy? How is our joy as a group or as an organization? So this free assessment was just kind of a, an easy way to get something into people's hands that they can look at, they can reflect on, they can go through it and hopefully kind of gauge, you know what, where are some strengths? Where are some weaknesses that I can be working on? And, and the goal is to get people to talk about it, to get people to practice it, because that's really where the rubber meets the road. Oh, oh, yes. Mm -hmm. So you want to go down the 19 skills. You also talk about working through our foundational five resources yeah. about that. And then we should talk a little bit about the uh, 19 skills. Yeah. So when people normally hear 19 skills, they go, what are you kidding me? Why 19? Why can't it be like three? And I totally get that. 19 is a big number. Um, but there are some skills that's all about growing capacity, which just means I, I increase my ability to handle hardship well, to stay in my relational self, no matter what's going on around me. And so some of those foundational skills would be like joy is one of them. So I just, I'm very active on finding ways to increase the joy levels in my life, in my relationships. Another one would be rest. So joy is high energy, right? We kind of get our heart rate going when we're building joy, but the, the, the um, complementary side of joy is that we can pause to catch our breath. So sometimes people have lots of joy, but they're not quieting. So joy starts to fade because they're not resting. Some people are good at resting, but they're not good at building joy. So we want to find that balance of building joy, resting. And then there's a skill called appreciation. Appreciation is just what I call packaged joy. And packaged joy are kind of gifts that I can unwrap anytime. And those are just thinking about the good stuff like I was talking about earlier. So you think about those moments or those memories in your life. And as you reflect on those good times, what happens is you're, you're building your joy levels, basically. So we can just be actively reflecting on the good stuff. I sometimes ask people, what's the highlight from your day? What are you thankful for today? What's the highlight from your week? What's been good at the office this past week? You get people talking about that and you're going to notice it makes a difference in the temperature in the room when it comes to joy. So these are foundational skills that really help to grow capacity. It's kind of like bench pressing at the gym to get more strength. So some skills are all about growing strength so I can better handle hard stuff. Some skills are focused on how do I get back to joy when I lose it? 
So my brain's wired for negative emotions. So I actually have to learn how do I feel an unpleasant emotion and how do I return to joy? So this is a pathway in your brain that ideally starts by the time you're about two years old. And I suspect as my, the audience is probably saying, I don't know what I was doing at two years old. Well, of course you don't because you were too young. But the good news is you can learn these skills later in life. You just have to kind of understand what's the mountain I'm trying to climb then I can start working on those skills and a little bit goes a long way, Hugh. And that's a message I hope everybody hears today. A little bit of practice pays off in big dividends. You heard it here. You heard it here. <laughs> um, so it's one thing to read a book or to think about a concept. It's another thing to put it into practice. And there's another thing to master it. And it's one more thing to make it a habit. Yes. So, um, so there's people that our audience is, is composed of nonprofit leaders and clergy. And as, as that sector, and I've worked in the church like you have, and uh, I have this nonprofit, I've worked in the nonprofit space for quite a while. We tend to want to do it alone. We don't need help. We don't, we can get a book, but having an outside resource, like what I provide leadership and organizational development, team empowerment, and what you provide, why do people need to look outside of their own space to get an outside outside help with a, a system or a, a, an advocate to work with them? That's a great question. And you know, we only know what we know, right? And we don't know what we don't know. And so one of the values of having people outside of ourselves is they can see things we can't see. You know, I kind of live in this world of relational skills and joy. And for example, it's really easy for me to just talk about this stuff as though everybody gets it because this is what I live and breathe. Um, but when I'm introducing this to, to a new group of people like today, for example, um, it helps to talk and interact with other people who are also going, oh, okay, what about this? How does this work? So really the worst condition for your brain is when you feel alone and you're trying to navigate something hard. So whenever I feel alone in the hard stuff, that creates the toughest conditions for my brain to stay relational and to navigate that terrain. And so what I like to tell people is, look, we need each other. We need people like you, Hugh, who do what you do. So give us an outside perspective with your experience and your wisdom. And so all of us need people outside of ourselves to help us see the things and hear the things and understand the things that, frankly, we might not be able to see. They call them blind spots. Yeah, yeah. that's <laughs> right. Reason for that. Yes. You know, I always like that when I'm in a big group, I'll say, okay, we're going to talk about blind spots. How many people know your blind spots? And there's always <laughs> one or two. And I go, no, you don't. <laughs> it, it's so what I'm hearing is what I've always shared with people. And even more today, um, I help people do their strategy. Do you think I can do my own strategy? No. I'm too close to it. So we need somebody, just like you said, an external presence because we are so close to it. We can't yeah. see it. So that, that's fresh. So there's a, yeah. there's a, a mind-body connection to this. And I notice people that are really negative all their lives are more prone to be ill. Yeah. So any, any knowledge there you want to share about? Yeah, you know what? Your body is the canvas for your brain. So what that means is what's happening up here between my ears will show up in my body. So if I'm anxious because I'm worried about uh, the big day tomorrow at work, you know what? That, that Those feelings of anxiety are going to show up in my body. They're going to show up in 
how I feel. They're going to show up in how I'm breathing, my heart rate, um, skin condensation. There's a lot of things that happen in this body. So I started out as a counselor working with people, uh, you know, working through hard stuff in life. And so one of the things I noticed working with people is when I was sitting across from them, some people would hold their breath. And you know, about two thirds of us hold our breath when we pick up our phone. So, so, so we just hold our breath without realizing it. And so, yeah, most people who pick up their phone, they actually hold their breath. They don't even realize they're holding their breath. So when I would sit across from people, I would notice I start holding my breath. And I would take a deep breath and I would look at the person, you know what, they're not breathing, they're holding their breath. And so just helping people to notice the canvas for your brain, hey, let's try to find some peace. And so when I have people practice joy, pay attention to your body. How does joy feel? Because emotions are directly tied to your body as far as your brain's concerned. And so your body is very relevant to how well you're doing when it comes to joy and peace. So we just have to learn to live in our bodies kind of stay non-anxious kind of people who have joy. We're glad to be together. We're peaceful. And whenever we start to lose our peace, we pause and get our peace back. And that is so valuable. It's practical, but it's so valuable. How do I live in this body and have joy and peace? So you have study programs and whatnot, but let's go back to the book a minute. Um, I can read it by myself. But is there value in pulling together my leadership team and my nonprofit or my church or my synagogue and doing the book together and having conversations about it? Definitely. Yeah, definitely. The book was really was really put together for people to practice. And so I encourage people, get a copy, read it yourself, but then do it with other people, especially the exercises. The exercises are where it's at. You know, you can talk about the concepts and the theory, but ultimately practice the exercises and watch what happens. If I have a, a meeting with a group, I will, if I have say an hour with a group, I'll have them do at least 10, 15 minutes of practice at the least. And I can talk about something for a while, but when you have people practice this stuff, it changes the room, the energy in the room, people come alive. It's like turning on a light basically. So just get together with other people, talk about this. How does it apply? More than anything, practice the exercises. That's, that's the good stuff. The whole basis for us togethering in church is to have like-minded people that can support us in the ups and downs of our, of our spiritual journey. And so as our, as our other journeys go along parallel to that, having a support group, I find very valuable. Yeah. You know what? It's so valuable. It's just, your brain, your relational brain is always looking for faces. So when you walk into a room, your brain is looking for faces. That's what it's wired to do. So when you have people who are together, you can talk about stuff, you work through stuff, but ultimately we work best in community, in relationship. And so connecting with people goes a long way to charging our relational battery. So hold up your book cover again. Yeah. So there's a, like a light switch on there. So yeah. the, that light comes on. So, so what if, the, if that switch is turned off? Yeah, you know what? If it's turned off, that's where I'm not really enjoying my, my joy or my peace. And so what happens if the switch is off? First, I have to recognize it. So we can learn with a little bit of practice to know when the switch is off. So I can tell by my wife's voice when her switch is off. I can tell when her blood sugar is crashing and she needs some food and she, she can look at my face and I have a back, back issue, back injury. She can look at my face and know when my switch is off because I'm in back pain. 
So the good thing is you can learn to recognize when the switch is on, when the switch is off. And one of the most common ways we know the switch is off is because I'm not enjoying the people around me. I might not even be enjoying myself, but I'm not enjoying people around me. I'm not enjoying my job. I'm not enjoying the things that I normally enjoy. That's a good sign the switch is off. When, when those joyful people irritate you, maybe there's a problem. <laughs> yes, yes, that's it. That's a good sign the switch is fading real quickly. Um, there's three states or three options for, for this relational circuit. Would you share more about that? Yeah, so when the there's the three options are basically on off and a version where it looks like it's on but it's really off so i'll explain that so when it's on i am my normal glad to be with you relational self i enjoy the people in my life i have joy and peace it's very easy i'm curious about what you're thinking i can feel appreciation i feel like being kind and i look people in the eye those are all good good signs that i'm in relational mode when the switch goes off, I'm no longer curious about what, what you're thinking, you're feeling. I don't probably care. I don't feel any joy or appreciation. I'm focused on pain or whatever's wrong. Um, I lose my ability to be kind. I don't want to be kind. Maybe I'm mean with my words or my actions. And then the last is I don't look people in the eye. Or if I do, it's like giving them the stare, right? So we all know what the stare looks like. We've probably been on the receiving end of that. So you can just notice, wow, I'm, I have lost my joy. I, my relational circuits are off. It would be time to take a breather. It would be time to go get some fresh air. It's time to just do whatever helps you get back into your relational sweet spot. And that can look differently for, for everybody. But one of the best ways is just to be thinking about the good stuff. Think about the things that bring you joy. So if, if you're stuck in traffic and you notice you're going into enemy mode and you just want to take out the bazooka and all the cars who are cutting you off, that's a sign you're you're lost your joy. Try to pause, take some deep breaths and think about access the joy files. Think about the things that help you calm down. Think about good memories with your family, good trips, fun vacations, whatever it is, whatever the things are that help you get back to your relational sweet spot. Take a few minutes to do that before you try to do anything else. Because when I am in relational off mode, what we call enemy mode, the results are not good. Whether it's a conversation, a meeting, working out a conflict, what, whatever it is, when I'm in enemy mode, I'm not a good version of myself. So I encourage people, take a few minutes, get relational. Anytime you lose your peace or your joy, pause, get relational and continue the, the interaction. It'll go much better. That is a great tip. You're here at the Nonprofit Exchange. Um, I'm going to talk about our community and then give it to you, Chris, for the last word. If uh, What do you want to leave people with today? Okay. But before that, uh, Center Vi this is, is the Nonprofit Exchange. Um, it's, it's a program of Center Vision Leadership Foundation. We have lots of programs for clergy and nonprofit leaders alike. No matter what you're doing, we need to equip ourselves. Our motto is transforming leaders, transforming organizations transforming lives. And you've heard some really good tips to equip you today, but there's a lot more. So if you want to go to nonprofitcommunity.org, nonprofitcommunity.org, you can learn about our private online community. And there's lots of resources that you can access what you need when you need it and have live sessions with me and with a community of peers. And there are joyful people in that community already, people that would love to see you. So you're invited, nonprofit 
community.org. So Chris, this got us on the right track today. And the work we do as nonprofit leaders and clergy is very difficult. And if we're not tuned up with our joy, it's, it's a lot harder than it is. So this, you gave us some really helpful tips today and where to find you and learn more. What do you want to leave us with, a tip or a challenge or a thought? Yeah, you know what? Whenever our brain looks at a problem and stays stuck on a problem that keeps us in enemy mode. So I encourage people, sandwich your problems with joy. So what that means is if you know you're going to have a meeting, we're going into this meeting or we're trying to, we're trying to creatively solve some problems, take a few minutes before to build some joy, take a few minutes after. And that could be simply just appreciating your team. What do you appreciate about your coworkers? What do you appreciate about the workplace? What do you appreciate about the good things in your life? Whatever it is, insert little joy before, little joy after, and even during if you need to. And what that does is it just helps people to stay in their relational sweet spot where we're creative, we're patient, we're flexible. We're just better versions of ourselves and it's a win-win. So I think today just focus on, find and focus on the good stuff. Some people make lists, some people look at pictures on their phone, whatever it is, just give yourself time to focus on the good stuff and notice what happens. Chris Corsi, it's on your shirt there. Thrive today. That's right. Thrive today. Not later, today. So Chris Corsi, thank you for being our guest today on the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you, Hugh. It's been a joy. Thank you for listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.